When you hear the phrase first-gen American, what comes to mind? Oscar Velasquez, a first-generation American, wants to enlighten your mind to everyday life as a first-gen in today's America. There is a perception in today's society, and Oscar is going to dive in and dissect the reality of being a first-gen. Join Oscar and his guests from all walks of life, discussing their trial and tribulations in today's America. Now your host, Oscar Velasquez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of First Gen American. Happy Friday. Today's guest, Positive Street artist, creative director, Manny Ramirez, a good friend of mine. If you've been downtown and you live here in Nashville, New Hampshire, uh, you might have seen some amazing uh, art pieces all around town for the last couple of years um, and truly amazing. So I know he's been my quiet co-host. <laughs> yes, sir. But uh, now we want to bring him on and uh, actually talk about what he's doing around town. And, uh, you know, I've known Manny for almost 13, 14 years now. And uh, to watch him grow as an artist um, has been amazing and and truly uh, to watch him involved and to see his organization grow has been great. Uh, positive Street Art. Also, we have Chris Boncato. Good morning. Good morning. Multimedia artist and a board member of Positive Street Art as well. Uh, fun fact, Chris actually does all the photography for First Gen American and actually helped me produce the uh, intro that you hear before uh, coming on to the show, which is pretty amazing. A lot of great talent around me, and yes, I love sir. it. So what's up, Manny? Yo, thank you for having me, man. And um, it's it's uh, it's an honor to help you with the show. It's an honor to, honor to be a co-host. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, thank you. No problem. Appreciate man. it. Uh, let's, let's dive right in, because I've, I've known you for a while, and and uh, I, I know a lot of people have seen us kind of working on some projects together, whether it's clothing brands, whether it's nonprofit, or just you know out on the out on the lake on the boat, uh, having a good time. We uh we actually collab and and some amazing things. But let's go back, let's go back to uh, the humble times. You know, let's do it. So Manny, I want to talk about like what inspired you to to start a nonprofit. What led to Positive Street Art? Um, I think it's uh, a mixture of not seeing what your what inspires you yeah. around you not seeing that you know like you know some of the great ones have said and you know if you don't like what's what you see around you you know change it or mm-hmm. you know um uh be what you like what, what's a, a quote say um be the change right, that you want to see exactly in the, in be the, the change yeah and then so um when uh, around the time when i met cecilia uh who's our president and also my wife yeah. <laughs> Um, Shout out to the wife, Cecilia. <laughs> yes, sir. Mrs. Um, Ramirez. Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Ulibarri. <laughs> <laughs> um, but when when I met Cecilia, I think we had that common ground where we both thought that, you know, what we wanted to see as far as art in our town and in, in New England uh, um, mainly wasn't really shown. Um, and we come from a background where, uh, like, urban art is, like, uh, a, a big part of that mm-hmm. um and uh you know we we didn't see that represented well here in nashua and then we live in nashua we love nashua we enjoy uh this city and you know why not you know so um we started doing our own research um trying to figure out where to start it, it didn't even like the main idea was not to be to have an, a nonprofit organization when we first started this we had no idea what nonprofit nor organization was right um, and we, our, our main idea was to have a, a wall for not just ourselves, but for all artists in general, mm-hmm. um, to be able to go and paint whatever they want, whenever they want without being bothered. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's kind of like, it's a main part of public art. Um, when artists wants, want to express themselves publicly, um, it's it's always kind of like a big runaround. You know, you have to go to a city. You have to get, you know, um, um, you have to um, get paperwork filled out. And this is it's a long process. Mm-hmm. We wanted to, like, basically streamline that for artists who wanted to express themselves 
publicly and then put, you know, like maybe if there, there needed to be some rules, like then we'll set some like basic rules. Like basically we don't want anybody to be painting stuff or that's like distasteful or, right. you know, that, that most of the public is going to be like, well, that's, you know, we shouldn't mm-hmm. um, like nudity and stuff like that, extreme right. stuff. So that would be like our main concern. Um, but that was, that was the main, the main idea, you know, just yeah. get a wall and then, we wanted to do the research for everybody else who wanted to 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 do that, so they didn't have to do it. And so we started like uh, talking to different people within the town, uh, within the city, and trying to get, trying to connect, make connections with people that would allow us to do that. Mm-hmm. And one one thing led to the other, where people started educating us about how to go about this thing. And right. most people, we kept hearing like, if you want to do this, the best way to go about it is starting your own nonprofit. Right. And we're like, what is that? Right, right. So lots of headaches later, <laughs> trying to figure out this whole road yeah. of what a, what a nonprofit is and um, um, becoming a legitimate 501c3. Yeah. And I know um, that process. Yeah, it's it's That's- it's a lengthy process. Um, you know, you have to do a lot. And we had to, we, you know, we've, we build the, the right network of people mm-hmm. to kind of get to that point. And right. Then, relationship building, et cetera. Exactly. But let's re let's I I guess I guess I started off at the nonprofit, but let's keep going way back. <laughs> zip, zip, zip. <laughs> Rewind that. So I've known Manny for years. We actually were roommates, you know, humble times. Yeah. Humble times. We had ramen noodle days. Ramen noodle days. <laughs> ramen noodle days. Hum- humble times, honestly. Um or, I've or, seen you or evolve. Cheap, cheap Chinese food and cheap a cheap Ch- bottle of wine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I've, I've, I've known you and I've seen you uh, grow as an artist. We used to actually be roommates. And I remember when you had your Mac three o'clock in the morning, just designing some shoes. I still, I think I, somewhere on Facebook, there's, there's a, there's a tag of some, the, uh, some shoes that you designed. Yeah. Um, the lion, I remember. Yeah. And, and other pieces like, um, the ego, uh, being tied down. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um. And inspiring and actually you've inspired me to tap into my artistry as well you know with within not also not also within a non-profit but you know the clothing brand and kind of being like i i like some of, i like some of the ideas and and what and what it stands for and you know what the show's about first gen american yes sir you know before the non-profit before all of this you actually didn't have your citizenship your status um tell us a little bit about that like the struggles in the process, because before you became a citizen, you were actually starting a nonprofit. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit of of America at that point. You know, when when you were trying to start uh, this nonprofit, and yet you were kind of in a limbo between what what you don't know what tomorrow might bring. You don't know if you can get shipped off, or you know. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the struggles within that. Man, blood, sweat, and tears, man. Is mm-hmm. if if that's the American dream, then I've lived it. I'm living it. You know, yeah, it's yeah. um, it was definitely stressful, very stressful. Um, when um, when I first uh came here, um, I got a, a permanent visa, and um, you know, my when I first moved in, uh, I I came in, I moved in with my grandparents instead of my mom, mm-hmm. um, and I had, you know, mm-hmm. I was 11 years old. I didn't know anything about the paperwork that you have to keep or not keep. I didn't know that you had to keep paperwork. I, you know, um, started school, um, and then became a young adult. Then I started to figure out, you know, like, you know, through like filing paperwork for whatever it was that, that, yeah, exactly. License that these questions get asked, you know, like you're an American citizen and, or I didn't even know what an American citizen was. Yeah. You know, I, I I didn't know the difference. Yeah. So um, I had to figure out, you know, like because you felt like a, a citizen already exactly. of this country. Exactly. So um, I had to figure out, you know, what paperwork do I need? Oh, you need a you need your green card. Right. What is a green card? You know, like I I didn't have to deal with any of that stuff when I was brought here. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I find out. And I got my green card from from my mom, so then I had I kept that all with me with me at all times. Mm-hmm. I, f- I filed all the paperwork. Come to the point where the green card expires, and when I was like, I were think, you aware of that before? 
Huh? No, I was not. I, I again, I didn't, I didn't know. I the process. I didn't, I didn't ask the right questions. I guess that's. Yeah, but you were brought here so young. So yeah, exactly. You automatically felt like yeah, you were a part of something that really didn't need a paperwork or yeah, uh, like a status. Exactly. I, I didn't. I nobody told me anything about this. Um, so, like my my parents, my grandparents, and my my and my 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 parents didn't educate me about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's another another problem. Like the yeah. the the the. How do you say that your your parents, some parents expect their kids to just know certain things that should be taught yeah. um, or just to learn them on their own. Right. Um, so that's that's another problem that we can talk about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I um, it comes to the point where my green card is about to expire yeah. or it had already expired. What year was this? Uh, I think it was 2003. 2004 ish okay. right around the time where i graduated high school right yeah. after i graduated graduated high school yeah. um 2005 actually because mm-hmm. i came in 95 it was a 10-year visa yeah 2005 okay. so in 2005 you know whether it's like uh renewing my license that i went to renew my license or where's your green card oh yeah. this green card is expired so now you or can't get, get a, a license or you can't get a job right, right? and um right around that same time um, I wanted to go to to go to college, and I think I was living with you at that time. Mm-hmm. So, it takes me a long time to f- figure out all this paperwork stuff to try to figure out how do you even go about renewing your your green card. Right. Um, then I finally get through all that paperwork months later, or maybe about a year later. Mm-hmm. Um, it took that long. Yeah, it took a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. for just figuring out the process in general, mm-hmm. like all those applications, like, and then you had to Which, pay for the process. So, and then I didn't. I couldn't. Yeah, huh? A change of status, like Enrique Mesa said last week. Uh, a change of status within the paperwork to get to renew that. Green yes, card. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, like, like for instance, I don't know if I did or didn't yeah. lose my um, my uh, social security card around that time because that was another problem. Mm-hmm. So, if I didn't have my social security card, in order for get for me to get my social security card, they would ask me for my green card, and if I didn't have my green card or if my green card was expired, mm-hmm. then I can't get a social security card, which means I can't work. To get to pay for any of this stuff, right. any of this paperwork, so that was like just ex- excruciating, like back and forth. This person t- sends me to this other office, and it's other office as they can't do anything about about it, and then it's just back and forth and back and forth. Months later or a year later, um, I applied to to go to college. I get accepted. Mm-hmm. I had filed all the paperwork and paid all the fees. This to, is in New York. No, this is this is when I was still living with you. Okay. Oh, uh, NCC. Uh, no, no, uh, I was no, no. I was I applied to New York, yeah, yeah. but I wasn't living. I was living here in Nashville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I got accepted, and this is when um, the the green card um, was accepted. Like the the um, the renewal was accepted, right. and they were going to mail it to the address where I was living with you and Alex yeah. Circle, um, here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot to change that address before they sent it. Oh. I moved to New York to go to to go to college, go to college, no papers, mm-hmm. uh, no license, oh. um, and I'm I'm in li- limbo. In limbo, I'm living in New York and with, with my grandparents again, yeah. going to college, and I'm in limbo, and I'm just like, just praying that nobody asks me for any paperwork at school because I'm screwed. <laughs> you no, know they're gonna yeah. ask. Yes. Um, and this happened and basically I just gave him the runaround yeah. for, for as long as I could, um, while going to college, while going to college, uh, because I, I, and then, um, I came back to New Hampshire to, to see where did my, 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 my yeah, green card go? Yeah. Because obviously I don't, I didn't live at that address anymore. So there was no way of me going there to figure out if my green card is there or not. Yeah. Um, or if they saved any any mail that was sent to me there, mm-hmm. which they don't. Yeah. You know, people just throw that in the trash. Yeah. You know, like or put it back in or put it back in the, in the mail. Return to sender. Return to sender. So I go back to to Concord to try to figure out where my green card went, and if let, it me, got, let me ask you something. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, man. No, no, go ahead. Where, you know, you, we got to do what we got to do. Sometimes were you were you in a situation? Were you in a predicament? Going, going, coming from New York, you know, you driving like, yeah, driving man. Like, <laughs> I mean, you like you, crazy, you, ha- you have to do what you have to do. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. if if 
<laughs> what yeah. am I going to walk to New Hampshire? Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I could get a ride. Yeah. And I did. I did a lot, a lot of the times where, like, either my mom was either mm-hmm. going to New York to visit mm-hmm. and coming back. And when she came back, I would just get in the car back with her and drive and ride back here. A lot of yeah, risks to just, that American dream. Yeah. So, like, basically, the American dreams make it so hard to have that dream, yeah. to make that dream possible for you. Every that you have to break the law yeah. to make the dream possible for Jesus. you. And we don't condone that. For the listeners out there, please, we don't <laughs> condone. He's just saying that the system is set. Uh, at such a high standard that it's unreachable and unachievable if you don't know the right people unless you're willing to understand the dynamic. But then if you understand the dynamic and the process, you can't afford it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's set up to make you fail unless. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So listen. So. We don't want to go ahead. You're going too ahead on me, man. You're going. Yeah. So we, we, you, so you're about to go to New York. You know, the process is, is on the flow. Uh, you went to Concord. Then what happened? Like, did you, did you find your paperwork? What happened? Cause I, cause I know that when you went to New York and you went to college, we kind of, we were living together, but I was off to Germany. Yeah. You went off to New York. Yeah. I'm like, all right. We're like, and we just kind of separated yeah, like yeah. conversation, not um, communication for a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so what happened with what happened with the green card? What happened with that the the so the status change? So I went back and basically they were trying to say like they were insinuating that I either gave my citizen to somebody, sold not my citizen, sorry, my green card, sold it or did something with it because I did not report it lost. Really? Yeah, lost or stolen. How, and how long was this that you that they sent it out that you didn't report report it? It, it, it must have been. About almost a year mm-hmm. after they sent it out, because I wasn't I was in school in New York. What school did you go to in New York? At the, uh, the Art Institute of New York City. Yeah. Um, I was in school in New York. Mm-hmm. I I had hard enough like a day or t- a time figuring out what school is like and trying to like basically do well in school mm-hmm. to have to deal with this and ginormous like stressor on top yeah. of that. You know, like anybody who's in college right now, shout out to you because. Uh, yeah, it's a hard life out there right now. Yeah, and when you're when you're in college, like you have way too much to to mm-hmm. deal with, than to deal with a basic situation that should not be so difficult. Right. Um, as an so. as an artist, how how did you feel as an artist not having trying to achieve that American dream, not having the the right paperwork or the kind of like the freedom to move around as easy? How for your artistry, how much do you think that college benefited you in the significant time that you went? I mean, there's there's a, as, as an artist, like life is already like difficult enough because mm-hmm. society doesn't really unless you're a high paid, high paid, highly paid, highly well known artist. Mm-hmm. Society doesn't care or think or like consider you like take you seriously yeah oh he's he's just an artist he's just gonna paint his little drawings yeah. and you know mm-hmm. um that's it like they, they just kind of just float by life and that's it and that's who they are and we accept them as that but we don't really take them seriously um so um but a lot of artists just figure out a way to just rise above it all and like i think that that what college taught me and then i all throughout high school i'll go back all throughout high school I was like so lost in the in the mix of like being a teenager that I didn't I really honestly I could care less about school. Yeah. Um and when I got to when I decided I wanted to go to college I was like I need to I need to focus. I need to like get my stuff together. I need to like if I'm going to go to school and I'm going to pay for school, mm-hmm. I need to make this worthwhile. So yeah. I'm going to throw myself at everything that's available to mm. me. Everything. If a teacher says, hey, there's extracurriculum activities that we can do to get you extra credits, I'm jumping at that. If there's some kind of club that's going to get me to learn some new things, I'm jumping on that. Mm. Like, whatever it is, I'm, I'm going to throw myself at it. Um, whether it's harder, it doesn't matter because at this point, like, I'm paying for it. I'm a grown-ass person. <laughs> I'm a grown person. Um, and... And I had at the point I had two kids. Mm-hmm. I had two young two young kids to feed. 
I'm like, I cannot fail at this. Yeah. So I took everything that the school threw at me. And then there was specifically a couple of teachers um, that could feel like the the tension and, and the life that I was going through. I didn't even have to, to, to explain my personal yeah. life, but they can, I don't know, they, they, I, they I feel like they, they felt that energy and they, they, they helped me out. And they're like, look, if you're going to be an artist, you need to do everything that you have to do to be like the best that you can be as an artist yeah. because like everything is stacked up to fail you, especially the school. Right. Right. Because like it's, it's expensive, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and if you don't, you know, overcome way above that in order, in order to be able to get a job or, or, or um, earn money as an artist, then you're going to be stacked up with all that student loan. So you're, you're set up to fail already. Um, so they're like, if, if, if you want to do something that's like publicly, you need to get involved with the people that are around you. Like if, if you like, especially that's the, that was the, the biggest thing that they could have told me, like get involved with the, with your city, with the people that are around you with like know as many people and, and, and make connections with everyone right. so that you know, like who to talk to when you want to make any move. Um, and that just like resonated with me and it stuck with me. And I, I started I started a, a club in in, in college, um, uh, graffiti and typography club, um, where we taught students how to like basically use the the um, typography yeah. um, to turn into um, to turn it into their own graffiti um, 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 like alphabet, yeah. you know, like make their own fonts using both graffiti and basic typography. Um, so I did that. We we're doing that, and then. Um, um, after that, um, I just, I got connect. I even got, I was even able to get, um, um, free tuition for, for a few months because I was having trouble at home, mm-hmm. um, because I was doing so well in school. So like, and, and that was because of that, that, um, what that teacher said, you know, like get involved. And I got, I got to know my, the Dean at the school. And I was like, listen, this is happening at home. I need like, I don't, I'm pretty soon I'm not going to have a place to live. And he was able to help me out. So, like, it's all about, like, who you know and, like, those connections that you have with people. Mm-hmm. And learning that, I left I left college, came back to Nashville, and immediately got myself involved in Nashville because of that, of what that teacher said. Yeah. So, like, you kind of, you, you have to, like, as an artist, like, it's almost like things are already stacked up against you because, you know, that's that's not one of the things your your parents aspire mm-hmm. To have as a as a as a you know a, their, for their child you yeah. know like they don't want to they most parents and are like you know like I'm gonna name him or name her this and mm-hmm. she's gonna be an artist yeah. or he's gonna be an artist like no like they kind of aspire they want you to be a doctor they want you to be an architect they want you to be you know something that's that's fruitful and makes your life not not easy but that I feel like yeah comfortable and, and that's and that's like a, a like a sure fail-proof way to be, mm-hmm. become successful. You work hard at this, you're going to be a successful doctor. You yeah. work hard at this, you're going to be a successful um, architect. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, it's, it's not it's not that it's, that be, becoming a doctor is easy. I'm saying that like it's basically set up the right way for people to make it. Yeah. You know, you just got to work hard. So I know that um, I know that we've uh, I know that we all battle battling with something inside, you know, and, um, let's talk about, if I may, I'm going to open up as well, you know, let's talk about, you know, we battle with mental illness. Yeah. All three of us, actually, we've, we've talked about this. We're, we're all artists in our own platform and we battle with ADHD. Yeah. And we're not medicated. Yeah. No. You know, we're, it's all natural. We, we all try to, we all try to find our ways of, of how to cope, especially in today's society and what we're going through in high anxiety and, and everything. And I know that we, um, I know that we've separated and then came back. I, I moved to Germany for a couple of years. You were in school and college. We were all finding our kind of like, we were at a breaking point in our lives where we were like, all right, you know, the fun's over. We need to, we need to start doing something. With yeah. our lives. We need to either get inspired or explore. And then, uh, and then we'll always find our way back to each other. And we did. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely, when I saw you, I mean, I've always admired you as an artist, you know, because you were always self-taught. I remember, like, as a as a roommate, 
um, it was like three o'clock in the morning, your door would be wide open. You're cranking away trying to create something digitally on your Mac, and yeah, and uh, and I was like, man, that's 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 pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, that's pretty awesome. And but but when I when I really saw the impact was when you came back. Yeah, you were like, man, you've learned a lot. You you have evolved. You know, yeah. and it was it was inevitable. Yeah, it was inevitable because you were on your way before that. Um, I remember. Um, I remember seeing that there was a different type of inspiration when we came back together. You know, I learned something completely different on the other side of the world. And you came and you were off to college. And um, I remember looking at the murals downtown and you wanted to start. You wanted to get into street art and I wanted and I wanted to get into fashion. I was inspired when I went to Europe and uh, we kept seeing these murals by shout out to Barbara Andrews. And then I remember at 100 Main Street, there was a lot of photography that was up on the windows. And there was this young lady that was basically auctioning them. Um, and then she was uh, helping. She was Barbara Andrews' assistant. Never seen her before. We didn't know who she was. No. I used to live upstairs at the time from Agave because you were painting the mural for Pedro. Yeah. Shout out to Agave, which is Casa Mezcal now. Um, and we, I remember living upstairs and, and then coming down. These guys are brand new Mexican restaurant. First Hispanic uh, restaurant on Main Street, yeah. which it gave us a sense of pride because we were like, finally, cool, yeah. you know, something, something for our. We're not tucked away on the tree streets anymore. We're yeah. right in the heart of Main Street. Yeah. And then I remember like the connection between you and Pedro and me, and kind of connecting everybody to that restaurant. And you starting to working on a mural. Um, I remember uh, we were we were going up to my place upstairs uh, on Main Street uh, uh, above Agave, and. Um, I remember seeing Cecilia um, sitting down, and I and I connected Barbara Andrews with the murals downtown. I didn't also I didn't know that she also did photography until we saw the the pictures. Yeah, I was like, oh, dude, this is it, man! Like, you're starting to get into graffiti. You're starting to get into more um, canvases and spray painting. Yo, go talk to her, man. Jump in. Jump yeah. in, go talk to him. I, you were like, nah, man, I, I can't. Nah, I was like, no, yeah, so, you are not. Yeah, what so, are you gonna say? <laughs> so no, no, let's let's go back. So, so Agave Azul wasn't like wasn't there yet. No, you uh, were yeah, you were living upstairs, but Agave Azul wasn't there it was, yet. Um, um, it was the drift. It was the, the drift, drift stop. The, 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 the drift, yeah, the, the drift uh, store. The drift store. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, same thing. You like, let's go in, and I'm like, no. And then I remember that that was a monthly thing. They opened up once a month. Right, right. They right. had a, a silent auction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, they do it every month. I'll go next month. Yeah. And you know me, I, man. I'm, and you and yeah, you like <laughs> you probably said the same thing last month. Yeah, yeah. Let's just go in now. Yeah, yeah. And yo, thank you for that because we walked in. Yeah. Um, you I, met your wife. I yeah. Positive I went, street art. I went directly to to like. To where to the back and where I I saw her work and I was like I I, I asked her I was like who painted that those pieces she's like that's me and I was yeah. like oh oh that's right she had some of her pieces up too yeah. as well right and that yeah, that's yeah. what that's what like called me in yeah. it was her artwork and right. like seeing her beautiful artwork on the wall I'm like that like speaks to me it's mm-hmm. different from every piece of art that's there mm-hmm. um and I walked in and I was like who painted these and lo and behold that was hers that mm-hmm. was that's my work mm-hmm. um. And that's how did um, and that's how yeah, that's that's how I got to know her. We like like sparked up a conversation right then and there. I think we exchanged numbers, yeah. and um, we decided to meet up afterwards um, to find out, you know, like and talk about more about the art that we both enjoy, the yeah. type of art that we both enjoy, which is ur- which is urban art or street art, um, and how there wasn't much of that here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, that happened. But throughout this whole journey with uh, with being an artist, you know, how has it been with ADHD? How did how do you battle with the everyday struggle of that challenge and still find time? And you can chime in too, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you find that challenge of an art piece, a blank canvas, and then? still struggle with everyday life responsibilities and being an artist at the same time. Cause people have this perception like artists, they have such a free lifestyle and it's kind of laid back and lax, but we have to make a living. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We have to survive. We have to find some type of ends meet, you know? And, um, 
what's 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 the challenge? What's what's been your your biggest challenge within you know creating a piece or finding a deadline? Um, so with with the art itself, I think where is where the ADHD. By the way, I'm not I'm not diagnosed. I've never like I actually I asked my doctor once and well, one of my doctors once and he told me that because I could focus on creating art that I don't have ADHD, which mm-hmm. I think is BS. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I, I don't want to call it that I have ADHD because I don't, you're not clinically I, diagnosed. I'm not but... diagnosed with it. I, so, I mean, I, I, I like to get a second opinion. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like I do, I don't know, but it's, but that's the only part of my life that it doesn't really affect it much, except for when it comes to deadlines. Um, and um but in the rest of my life mm-hmm. you know it man i'm like uh, we're everywhere yeah everywhere it's like you know we can do it all yeah exactly just coin toss somewhere and i'm like oh my god what is yeah. that you know like and mm-hmm. and all of a sudden like i i lost the conversation we were just at and i have no idea what to focus on now sometimes like i'll be like looking for a word mm-hmm. and I'll just be unpaused for a while because I have no idea like how to like the word just disappears out of my language all of a sudden. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what that is. I don't know if that's part of ADHD. I, yeah. I, but yeah, like that's it's that's that I think that comes with me. Uh, like my the plus is like I'm I'm a very highly creative person. Mm-hmm. The downside is that like the Would other you the other t- part of my brain is like <laughs> all well, over you the place. The deadline. Yeah. I think, uh, well, for me and my experiences, I am uh, diagnosed ADHD since a child. Okay. Um, everyone knows that ADHD's brains are going 200% all day long, every day. So the struggle is to get that to calm down a little bit. Right. So what I do instead of going crazy thinking about all this stuff that's coming, you know, that's yeah. constantly being barraged all day is to break away from that. Mm-hmm. And I've started going out and hiking, which gave me solace, peace, peace and quiet. Yeah. And um, that really started to help. So I, do- I dove, I dove a little deeper and um, gave meditation a try. Mm. And that worked miracles. And it's got me thinking twice about, um, you know, how you said it was like a, a mental disability. I think ADHD is kind of more of an attribute when you look at it from a different perspective yeah. because of the amount of information that you can process all at once. Um, and if you can learn how to control those kind of thoughts from barraging you all the time, it'll make you focus a little bit better. And uh, you can concentrate on your work and and do really good, you know. And, of course, get plenty of sleep um, and exercise. See the sun every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. Hey, guys, you're listening to First Gen American. Uh, we have our special guest, Manny Ramirez, Chris Mancado from Positive Street Art. Uh, thank you guys for, for joining us. Um, so if, if you're tuning in, uh, we're talking about uh, – Manny's past and uh, and the organization and the artist that he's become and talking about the murals downtown and some of the personal challenge that he deals with, as well as one of the board members and artists, uh, mixed media artist, uh, Chris Bancado. Uh, so we uh, we're talking about, you know, mental illness and how everybody, whether you're an artist or not, is dealing with it and, and how we go through our everyday lives Uh like Chris, I'm, I was also diagnosed when I was young and like you, Manny, you know, I, I want to do it all. When I was younger, that's what has made me feel fearless about any outcome that happens. Like, you know, if, if I fail at one thing, I'm okay. I'm going to go right on to the next. I have mm-hmm. a laundry list of things I want to do and I'm going to go for it, you know, and not to, not to say that I'm careless, you know, because you know how I feel about failure and I'm more about not trying to and not knowing the outcome of that result. Also, I feel the same way about, you know, money when it comes to it. Like I, I mean, you know, we've come from humble times. We have much now to, to work towards and we've had nothing. And for, for us, I think that it's okay. We can take that risk because the information and what we've learned throughout the way and our, on our journey, you know, 
uh, with our ventures has taught us that we're not the same people that we were yesterday. So I feel like it's okay if we fail. It's okay if we hit rock bottom. We'll dust ourselves up and we'll keep moving. That's what that's what connects us. I mean, yeah. all of us. That's what keeps us thriving because we keep moving forward to something greater. You know, and at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's not about us. It's about opening up that creativity within us. You know. So you know, we came back. You met Cecilia. How did Positive Shootout come about when you guys met? So yeah, like I said earlier, like we. We met up at the um, the art auction. Then we exchanged numbers. We um, met up soon after and started talking about, you know, what do we want to do with with our art? You know, um, I told her that basically I paint too, and um, we started to just kind of get to know more about each other and and what we do as artists and um, how we wanted to share more of that mm-hmm. um, with with our community. Um, she was. Um, inspiring her young uh her her son anthony um to paint with her and then showcase his art at her auction as well so we're like we could do more of that you know we can we can you know inspire more young kids to to create and then express their their um their work publicly as well and um then we started to kind of like get to the to the meat and bones of um of street art and trying to figure out why is it not widely accepted and and like basically we came to the point where like um there's a lot of different types of street art there's graffiti and then the word graffiti itself you know people have you know problems with that it comes with negative connotations and then people you know you you would never hear a graffiti artist or what they call a graffiti writer say i'm a graffiti writer Mm -hmm. because people will judge you right off the bat you know, like, what do you do for a living? Oh, I, I'm a graffiti writer. That 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 never gets said. Mm-hmm. So we're like, there's something wrong with that. Like, just because um, some graffiti writers kind of give it a bad name by defacing property doesn't necessarily mean that graffiti is a bad thing. So we had to, like, think about, like, basically this comes down to education. Like, we have to educate the public about what this is. And when it really comes down to, like, when you think about the word graffiti, word graffiti is not defacing property. The word graffiti, it's the writing on the wall. It's like the designing on the wall. It's basically creating something on a wall that's public to the, for the people to see. Whether that's done illegally or legally, that's not that's out of the what the word, the meaning of the word. Right. Um, and then so like it goes back to the ancient days, like what you see in the, those, those cave paintings, that's graffiti. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we wanted to educate the people uh, people on that and then also educate the kids if we could educate the kids to understand what that is early on mm-hmm. this less they're like less likely to 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 get in trouble doing that further on um mm-hmm. because they know what it is you know they know why people do it um a lot of kids do it just because they're rebelling you know mm-hmm. some people do it because they want to, to to spread a message um some people just want to show their art you know and so like Knowing the differences kind of gives you like a leg up and trying to figure out what you want to do with your with your creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just basically kept, you know, diving further into that um, and meeting people who like had connections with the Boys and Girls Club and PAL. And we're like, we want to teach a class at, at the Boys and, Girl, Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. Um, we we did that. We um, connected with them um, and we started uh, teaching a class and then trying to figure out. You know how to make this. Uh, Where more, were you teaching? More, sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. Where were you teaching the class at? Uh, Boys and Girls Club. Boys and Girls Club. We started at Boys and Girls Club. Um, we were doing an intro to graffiti class, mm-hmm. um, and then that like caught the attention of all the kids at Boys yeah. and Girls Club. Like graffiti, they're te- they're teaching graffiti. What right. is that? Like yeah. why? You know, and <laughs> exactly. So like, you know, that you see the kids that are that are playing PlayStation right. in in the game room. And they're like, yo, their the graffiti class is up. Mm-hmm. Everybody just. Yeah. Launches to our class. So we had to like manage it and be like, all right, we can't have all the kids yeah. all at once here. Yeah. Um and, and you know, I think it was it was different from them because what they're what they're used to learning in terms of like um art, it's yeah. like school based art and it's it's more on the history of art and then like the book the book um like the book teachings of art, you know. So yeah. like, you know, let's 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 study about Michelangelo today and Lot that like that seems very boring because it's not it's not relevant to kids nowadays. Right. Graffiti is so. Hearing that they don't feel like they're going to a classroom. They feel like they're going to have fun. Right. 
Yeah. And they did. They they did have fun. They had tons of fun um, learning about graffiti, like actually doing graffiti on paper um, in a classroom, the same way in the same setting that they would in school. But they would consider this more fun than than doing an actual art class in school. Even though the art is right. art is fun. Art is it's it's a it's a fun class um, to to have. Um, I considered it would have been like my second favorite class in 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 um, in grade school. Um, after gym, yeah. <laughs> right? When, um, so, so, yeah, we when when um when I remember we had kind of like this the same idea, the same concept within nonprofit. You wanted to do it more for the streets. I wanted mm-hmm. to do it more for the uh, fashion side, and uh, I know that we were heading in the same direction in a different lane. We yeah. both had our lanes. Um, I want to do more, teach the kids more about uh, textile, starting a, a clothing brand. And I myself was inspired. Um, so I grabbed some kids from high school, from Nashville High. It was like seven seven kids um, that uh, actually one of them is, uh, she's she's my model for in uni for the clothing brand. Um, the I know that we were going through the same avenue of 501c3, untouched talent, positive street art. Um, what was the process? Because I know I know that there was a lot of logistics and paperwork involved and funding and communicating with the city. And at this time, the city was creating um, city uh, the arts commission. Yeah, roughly. Uh, at, the, at, the, well, at this time, or the just city, before that, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they were the the arts commission was pretty fresh yeah at the same time that positive shit on an untouched talent was going yeah. about what was what was the process of somebody of of an organization that started off with the 501c3 for people that don't know well this yeah there's a lot of paperwork involved and you can't just do it on your own you have to have a group of people who are yeah. ha, or who are like-minded and like mm-hmm. they want to do the same thing um and you have to make it very clear that you're not doing this for profit you know right. Um, you're not here because you want to, you know, make a million dollars. It's, you know, at a not in this nonprofit. You're here because you care about your community and want to bring something to the community, which was the point. You know, yeah. like we wanted to make sure that um, the the type of art that we like mm-hmm. is also represented in our town and then beyond that, we're in other cities, other, other towns. Um, and so we um, we got together. Um, we started going to this um, these meet these local meetings called um, Visualize Nashville, mm. and what this was is the city. Shout out to James Vale. Yeah, shout out to James Vale. Um, the city brought in um, 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 a firm from New York to do some research in 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 um, in our city mm-hmm. to figure out what the people wanted to have built, um, and then kind of do like a um, uh, crowdsourcing of information get uh, to get information as a like you know like what. Is more popular. Like, do we want the river clean? Do we do we want to have like rooftop parties, sort mm-hmm. of like nightclubs or anything like that? Or do we want to have like what do we want to do with with uh, with our town? Um, you know, is it better to just like put money to, towards like paving? Like, like what what does the city want? Mm-hmm. And um, and then they had a project in mind, which was the Bridge Street project that is now either just about finished or or has been finished already. Um, and is revitalizing um, revitalizing neighborhoods. Yeah. So they took Bridge Street and they revitalized it. They they took down the old uh, um, skate park that was near Hudson, and they built a uh, uh, multifamily homes there um, or condominiums. I'm not sure exactly what you call those. Um, and it, it, that area looks beautiful now. It's great, and I, I I think there's more development to come to that. But that all came that came from that visualized national those those local meetings mm. so we joined those local meetings that, yeah. we joined those local meetings and we wanted to basically see how we fit in in this in this city mm-hmm. um not only like you like to say there's a lot you try to you try really hard to fit in but you find out that you know like you're standing out like yeah. so um so we r- quickly realized that like we stood out in this community as as creatives yeah um and we're like, we want to like capitalize on that and like make that like keep on with that momentum. Yeah. And so we met another person through there, which is Tom Lopez, our alderman Tom, Tom Lopez. Shout out to Ford, Tom Lopez. Ward 4. Um, yeah. And uh, 
he helped us immensely trying to get this thing started. He has a ton of knowledge. He's worked for for uh, multiple uh, nonprofits, mm-hmm. um, and um, he basically helped us fill out all this paperwork. Um, we had to, to to fundraise to get the the um, uh, the fees paid for for the nonprofit. Um, actually, James Veo mm-hmm. um, was part of our board as well. We had to to build the board and yeah. then come up with with bylaws that that govern the board, so that mm-hmm. basically everybody's in their own lane and they know what to do with the organization um, and like how to move the organization forward and make sure that the focus of the organization stays in community work yeah. um, and it doesn't go awry, you know, in, into more like personal. Um, agendas or anything like that that the board has to stay focused on the community and you know we 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 did that took took probably about a year Mm -hmm. um to to learn the whole process and do the whole process um i could keep going i know dude (laughs) an hour's not enough (laughs) but listen so what was the status what was your what was your um your legal status throughout this whole process because not only are you starting a nonprofit, yeah, you're connecting with all these local politics. Yeah. You know, you 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 you're finding people that believe in the in the brand you and in the organization. But in order to do that, they need to believe in you and they see an artistry between you and Cecilia. Where was your status and how were you dealing with everyday life? Like, great, we're building something for the community, but yet you could be driving home, pulled over, and boom, you're gone. How? What, what was that status? How? How do you connect with you know with everyday life, and then and then in the background, and most most of the people that you were around didn't know about your status at, at this yeah. point, right? Yeah. So let me. Let, I'm gonna correct you real quick because I I didn't the the only I was legal. Yeah. I wasn't. I was never. Have never been. Uh, an illegal uh, or undocumented. Mm-hmm. Um, the only difference was that the, li- the the license, the actual green card, yeah, was somewhere in limbo. <laughs> so, gotcha. as far as like the the U.S. Department of, of Homeland Security knew, I was legal. Yeah, um, I just didn't have the actual card right. in my hand to show them if they asked me for it um, because I never actually received it. I moved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in a process of getting the copy of it. Mm-hmm. So, but because you're you're in that limbo situation, yeah. it is very difficult because you ha- you have that fear mm-hmm. because you can't actually prove. They ask if they ask me for a green card at any point at any given moment, yeah. I wouldn't been able to give it to them. So that's what I meant. Yeah. So they they it's 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 like it's it's one of those things that like you know like. Forget having to make, you know, ends meet. Forget having to make, you know, like, keep your family happy. Forget having to, like, deal with day-to-day stressors. You also have this big stress kind of looming, this dark cloud looming over your head, thinking, you know, like, any of this, like, positive work that I'm doing for my community could be stopped right in in an instant, like, right at this moment because I get pulled over and they they ask me for my documents and I don't have them in, in, in hand. So then everything pauses at that point. And whether I get sent back, back home, back to the Dominican Republic for some mistake mm-hmm. or not, it's, it's out of, at that point, it's out of my, out of my hands. Yeah. So I really like, you either have to ignore that, shut that off, or like, it's going to eat you alive. Yeah. And I kind of did both. Like, I was just like, sometimes I was like stressed up to my neck with yeah, yeah. trying to figure out like how to get the, the copy of my, of my green card or... Or like I would be like, you know what? I'm just gonna keep doing me. I have to like, I have to su- succeed. I have to like basically push this organization forward. I like, I have a goal to mm-hmm. to, to reach. I have to reach that goal, mm-hmm. and this comes second. And a lot of times I did that, and a lot of times I focus on the other thing. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very difficult for sure. But before before I go any further, I'd like to to basically like say that. This community like has like it really 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 means a ton when they, when they say it takes a village you know yeah because to, to like the, I feel like this community has helped me grow as an artist to who I am right now. Um, shout out to Diane Sheehan and Lori Wilshire mm-hmm. and uh, Joe Carvalho mm-hmm. from the Dunkin' Donuts in, in Nashville because like and of course- I feel like I, uh, and then uh, and Tom Lopez and Maggie Williams Cecilia. 
I feel like if we didn't get together on that afternoon um, back in 2013, I believe, 2012, yeah. 2013, um, and have a meeting with Joe Carvalho about painting a mural in his um, at his Dunkin' Donuts in the back of, of Dunkin' uh, Donuts. Yep. The very um, first mural. The very first mural. We had that meeting with him. And not only did Lori Wilshire and, and Diane Sheehan believe in myself and Cecilia and Tom and Maggie enough to be like, we're going to back these guys. We're aldermen. We're going to go into this meeting with, with the owner of this building. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to advocate for them to see if this, the, this business owner would you know, believe, in them as, believe in them as well. Amazing aldermen, by the way. Yeah. A speedy recovery real quick to uh, Diane Sheehan. Diane Sheehan, yes, yeah. please. Speaking um, recovery and of course our mayor, and and um, we had the we had this meeting. We basically explained what we try what we wanted to do with the organization. We, we explained where our our um, where our um, inspiration came from, mm-hmm. and he was taken aback by that. He was he was inspired as well, and instead of saying, you know, yes, you can have the wealth to paint the building, he went the step ahead and said, how much would it take, and. I, I was not expecting that question. I was like, um, maybe a thousand dollars for mm-hmm. for the paint, and reaches reaches in his pockets, grabs a checkbook, writes a thousand dollars on a checkbook. Here you go, go paint it. Wow. And like having like for somebody who doesn't know me or Cecilia or Maggie or Tom, mm-hmm. to be like, I believe in you. Go ahead and do it. Like that, basically set us up to to, to success. I've been talking about things that set you up to fail, but having a, a community that like above all odds sets you up to, to, to win. Like that's, that's nothing can beat that. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Now, truly, I, I remember the, the, the beginning process of getting that mural set up and, uh, what an inspiring mural. Where's this mural located? Um, it's, uh, it's a Dunkin Donuts in the corner of, um, main street and canal street. Chris. Yes, sir. Plug in your businesses, man. Oh, well, I'm waiting for things to go back to normal before I can officially call it business. But, um, <laughs> and I've been thinking about doing uh, switching things over instead of having 50 million different names, just my own name, right. just yeah. for the sake of ease. But I do music. Uh, my music name is uh, Romp New England, which stands for Realm of Music Producers, which I have about six different music aliases and Flipside Imageworks for my general photography and New Hampshire Woodsider for nature photography. And what about and you, man? Positive Street Art. Positive Street Art. Plug, plug your organization in, man. Positive Street Art. We're out of here at Nashville, New Hampshire. Uh, we try to go as far as we can, reach our, our arms as far as we can. We do murals. We do art. Uh, we do uh, dance workshops. Um, yeah, just stay, stay tuned for the for next mural. Yeah, stay tuned for the next episode because one <laughs> hour is not enough. We go deep. like yeah. We go way back, but... Thank you very much, guys, for coming in. And obviously, you guys will see them in the background for all you listeners out there. First-gen American, thank you very much. Sorry we didn't get into everything, but, I mean, this is is the first but not the last. First-gen American, every Friday at 11 a.m. I'm your host, Oscar Velasquez. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Stay healthy. God bless.